one thing we're going to, it'll be an idea that we're going to throw out, uh, trying to get a, get it more developed, but I'll go ahead and let you know what some of our thoughts are. Met with the deacons yesterday for a while, talking about the building. Um, we might try to do it in a couple of phases and uh, do some, uh, do the educational wing, we might call it, um, first, and then after that, work on the uh, sanctuary. Um, we're just going to throw out some ideas and, and uh, not anything set in stone, obviously, but <clears throat> we're going to work on some uh, ideas and some plans and show it to everybody and, and uh, see what kind of consensus we have on that. Um, seems like right now, if we can get these hundred chairs in here, which I know we can, and uh, that, that'll give us an opportunity to uh, see this church grow to 400 or even a little more than that. Um, we're probably the average last year was somewhere around in the 260s, 270. Um, and I think with the extra chairs and people being able to come in, find a seat, and, and uh, not have to look so hard for a seat, I think we're going to see uh, more people more comfortable and more people coming in. Uh, so it gives us an opportunity to grow here, which also gives us an opportunity to grow in the funds. Um, but with like the classrooms that we're looking at doing, uh, there, there could be a good possibility that we could cash flow the thing where we can uh, pay for that as we go and uh, not have any debt at all. <coughs> and so um, I looked at a loan, a uh, $3 million loan at 7% interest for 30 years is 26000 a month. Um, I, what hair I have uh, will definitely look like more like Dustin's. Uh, uh, you know, and God can do whatever God wants to do. Um, it's not a lack of faith, but I think we need to be wise. And this might be a way that we solve two problems by the seating that we can have here, but we can also build some. And Wes and I were talking today, too, at the building we're talking about building. Not only would it have classrooms, it might even be able to have a big enough room in there to do clam and, and stuff in there. Um, so anyway, you just uh, bear with us as we throw some things out later on and let you look at that. Nothing will be, no decisions are going to be made on any of that until we all come to uh, unity in that. So uh, we're, we're not going to let a, a building and the, the ideas of a building uh, split a church. It's not, we're just... It's not worth that, and so we'll meet in a tent out in the cold weather before we allow that to happen, so uh, that might split the church, <laughs> but uh, so, but it is exciting to see some of those things, and, and uh, we're, we definitely need to keep moving forward, so looking forward to that, so but anyway, I just wanted you to know that. I don't try to hide any of that. Nothing is uh, super, super secretive at, at all. It's uh, it's the Lord's church, and we're all a part of it, and we all get to be a part of that. So we are in Ephesians chapter 4. We've seen the first six verses now. 
Um, we just looked at verses 4, 5, and 6, the seven realities of Christian unity and the, the importance of that unity, and, and we have seen uh, the supernatural side of that in what we looked at here in verses 4, 5, and 6, the one body, the one spirit, uh, which is the hope of your calling, the one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. And so now we, we move on, and we're going to see the members of the body of Christ, and that will go through the rest of the chapter, the uh, members of the body of Christ. And, uh, and what we're going to look at tonight is the equipping of, of those saints and uh, the equipping of those uh, believers. And we, we are a part of the, the same body of Christ, but we all have different functions. And uh, it's important that we find our function and, and uh, find our weaknesses and, and find the, the gifts that God has given us and use those uh, for his honor and his glory. And so he tells us in verse 7, let's get into this, and it tells us, it says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And, and so now, to Paul and to everyone that he's writing to, and that still includes us today, and that's how God's Word is such a living Word. It's still relevant to us today as it was the day that, uh, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, that Paul wrote this. It's so important that we understand that, but unto every one of us is given grace. Now, uh, the, the translators didn't put it in there, but is given the grace. He, he's very uh, specific in this that uh, wants us to know that it is a specific grace, and, and it's a grace that, that Christ bestows, uh, or you, you might even call it an endowment of, of gifts that, that God gives us. He said this over in Ephesians chapter 3, and uh, you go back there to verse 2, and Paul wrote this, uh, um, and and also, well, hold on, yeah, Ephesians 3, verse 2, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you word. And then verse 7, where, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. So, and we also know another one of the gifts that, that Paul had been given was the calling of an apostle. And so he was an apostle. We know that he was a minister of the, the gift of the grace of God. And we also know that um, the dispensation or the stewardship or the responsibility was given also of the grace of God, which is given me to you. And the grace of God was the explanation of the gospel. And so we see that a gift that was given to Paul. And, well, so now every one of us are given this grace according to the measure <coughs> of the gift of Christ. So in accordance to <coughs> the, the measure, the proportion of the gift of Christ. We, <coughs> excuse me, we are, we are all gifted of Christ. Some of us have different gifts. Some might think that they're not as gifted as other people, but I just don't agree with that at all. You are given exactly the proportion that God wants you to have. And 
all of us are different. Don't, he, he tells us in Corinthians that don't compare yourself with someone else. That, that, isn't, that, that isn't healthy to do and it's not right to do. And, and so you, you take the gifts that God has given you and we need to use those for his honor and, and his, his glory. And, and so it, it, it's an enablement that is given to us by Christ. And that's what he's telling us. So, and every one of us is given that, that proportion of the grace by Christ. And then he goes on. And he tells us in verse 8, and uh, here he says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now, uh, he, he kind of ventures out here a little bit, explaining the, the power of God and, and uh, the, the power of God and, and uh, the reason why he can do what he does. And, and we see that this is actually a quote from Psalm 68. And you can turn over there if you'd like. But Psalm 68 and verse 18. And here we see that David had written this. And it, it was a prophecy of the Savior. And, and it tells us here in verse 18, Thou hast ascended on high. And uh, so talking about Christ's ascension from earth and he's moving to heaven. And thou hast led captivity captive. Thou hast received gifts for men, yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. Now, get, give some thought to this, that when Jesus was here, he walked on earth, and, and he showed people that he was God, and, and he showed them the love and the mercy of God the Father by uh, healing the blind and helping the lame to walk, and all the miracles that he performed along the way, and showed the, the disciples how to love one another and, and how to be obedient to the Father's will. I mean, he did all of those things along the way, and, and then he ascended into heaven. And when he ascended into heaven, right before he did that, we know that he promised the Holy Spirit, that Comforter would come, that was just like him, that would indwell the hearts and the lives of, of every believer. And, and then he tells us that he is also then gifted us and we need to be using those gifts for people to see Jesus in us whatever the gifts are we look we have people that I, I believe that all of these these characters that that are making their their millions on on singing God gave them that voice they they can say what they want that it only came through hard work and their own ability God gave them the ability God gave them that ability to use it to bring honor and glory to God. The abilities that they have as the athletes, God gave that to bring honor and glory to God. The abilities that you have today are to bring honor and glory to God so that people can see Jesus through you. That's what he's chosen to do. And so it's our responsibility then to uh, allow God to live through us, Jesus to be seen through us so that it's, that's where our identity is at. Our, our identity shouldn't be in what we are wanting it to be and what we want people to see, but rather, Lord, what is it that you want from me? What is it that you want me to do? How do you want me to act? And, and how do you figure that out? By walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, by being filled with the Spirit, by giving thought every day to the Word of God and allowing it to overflow in your heart and in your mind and take over your thoughts and allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and direct you in the decisions that 
that you make and how you live, how you treat one another, things you say, things you don't say, things you do, things you don't do. I mean, all of those things are led and directed by, by the Holy Spirit of God. And, and then he takes whatever it is that you have and, and he has gifted you and given you that purpose. How do we know that? Because he's led captivity captive. When, when you give thought to that also, then we see that he has captured captivity. Before we were saved, then we had no choice. We just live however way that, that we live. I, I was talking to Wes today, and, and uh, I, I watched Thane's dog a lot, and then our dog, and, and those two dogs are just like two kids. I mean, I gave, I gave them both a bone, and they want the other bone. Uh, I mean, they, it's like that bone's got to be better than my bone, and so there they are, they're fighting over the bones. All the, and, and we looked at each other, and we said, it's just like kids. I said, it's really not just like kids. It's just human, like human nature, you know, and, and, and that's, that's what we were and bound to that, and, and that's how you behave. Really, that is how you behave without Christ in your heart and giving you a new purpose and, and new direction in your life. It's just whatever I can get for myself, that's what I'm going to get. Well, that's not biblical, and, and it's definitely not righteous in that. And, and, and here we need to understand that, that before Jesus, then we're all captive. We're all captive by God, by Satan, and, and by our own flesh. And, and so we have that. And, and so Psalm 16, 18, wherefore he saith, and, and I believe the he that he's talking about here is the psalmist that he's quoting from in Psalm 68, 18, and that's King David, who really is still God saying it because David wrote that under the direction and inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. And then when he, when Jesus ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. I, I don't want to get bogged down with this, and I have good friends that disagree with me, and that's okay. Uh, Dwight Smith will get it right when he gets to heaven. And so <laughs> we have had some major discussions on this, on what does he mean by captivity captive, and, and I do believe it's talking about the whole world that has been held captive by the devil, and Jesus is the only one that can deliver you from that. However, he goes on, and, and, and we, we give thought to this too, and, and we see here that Jesus has released all humanity from the bonds of sin and Satan, but when he ascended to heaven, uh, here he took the souls that were in paradise in heaven and took them to heaven, and he gave them gifts for various ministries. And you ask, what is that? Remember the rich man and Lazarus? Where was Lazarus? He's in Abraham's bosom. And if you remember also, Jesus said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Same word. And so we give thought. And, and I do believe in, in what we have in the Old Testament and then what we have there at Jesus' death. We have Abraham's bosom and we have hell. And it was separated by the great gulf. And and I don't and this is where he he wants to to disagree. That's fine. Everybody can do, you. You're going to study this out on your own, like I have. Okay. However, what I see in the Old Testament, I believe that they went to Abraham's bosom. Could they see across the great gulf into hell? I don't know. I don't know. You ever given thought? Also, this is another thought that came to mind. This is just going to confuse you even more. When when you read in Revelation. 
that it tells us that in heaven that he will wipe away all their tears and there will be no more crying, no more grief, no more sorrow. However, he doesn't do that, I believe, until the new heavens and the new earth. So is there weeping and crying in heaven today? It was a thought I had this week as I was studying this out, and it's one I don't have a good answer to. I, I think it would be very difficult to call it heaven if we are up there grieving all the time. However, I do know that in Revelation that the souls that are martyred during the tribulation period, that they're going to go in front of God, and they are going to be pleading for God to avenge them for their death. And so I don't think we know everything about heaven. I don't think we know everything about the presence of God. I know that I'm looking forward to being there, and, it, and it's a whole lot better than what we can ever even imagine here to be, okay? And, and so, but I do believe in the Old Testament. I believe from what we can see here, like the Lazarus was in paradise, what we have, what we call Abraham's bosom. There was a great gulf. And, and I think that part of the, I think part of the judgment that, that those, uh, Old Testament saints were dealing with, or the Old Testament unbelievers were dealing with is that they could look across that gulf and they could see how good it could have been if they would have just looked to the Messiah. I don't know if those in Abraham's bosom could look back across and see into hell. I just maybe it's one of those mirrors that God had that where where the ones in hell could look out and see it, but those that look back, all they see is a reflection of, of Abraham's bosom that they're in. He could easily do that. But I do believe that when Jesus died on that cross, and it tells us that it's then that in Colossians chapter 3 that he made a parade, If you believe, and I believe that he went into Abraham's bosom and the captivity captive that were all the believers that he emptied out Abraham's bosom and he paraded in front of all of those who were in hell, including the devil himself, and showed them, I win, I win. And he paraded in front of them, and he took them all out of Abraham's bosom, out of paradise, and took them to heaven, where is the very dwelling place of God today. And so I know some of you look at me like, I've never heard any of this. Well, you're just going to have to study it out, okay? And maybe one of these days I'll help you with it, all right? But uh, go out and study it. Study it for yourself and, and see. And, and why was there a difference in what God called it? There had to be something that was different there and, and why he would do that. But I believe that's all that he's talking about here. And, and what he's saying then, he's taking them to heaven because he went to heaven, promises us that that's where we will be in heaven. But until then, he has gifted us for us to show Christ through our lives. Are we doing that? That's the biggest thing. I mean, we can argue all day whether Dwight just says, Abraham's bosom is heaven. It's all the same. Nothing's ever been any different. Heaven is heaven, and, and that's fine too, you know. Have, hey, it's it's good place either place, all right? And so we look forward to that. But the biggest issue that he's focusing on here is that when, when he emptied it out or when he went to heaven and all those Old Testament saints with, with, went with him, he didn't just leave the world behind and nothing there. He left us to show people Jesus. And he has gifted us 
with special abilities that are God-given talents that he wants us to use for his glory, his honor, his glory. So let's do it. Let's use it for his honor and his glory. And then I'll end with verse 9. I need to hurry. Now, now that he ascended, talking about Jesus has ascended into heaven, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? That's just talking about how did he ascend? How did he ascend? Because first of all, he descended, right? We just celebrated that, called Christmas, right? Jesus Christ came in the form of a, of a, of a child and uh, as a baby born of a virgin and then lived in the lowest regions of earth and, and there he lived and, and it tells us that for him to ascend, he had to descend. Well, he descended from heaven and then he ascended back to heaven and that's where he is. And so, uh, and he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill or fulfill or complete all things. And so Jesus was man, and he was God. The same who descended is the same one who ascended. That's God. And so Jesus leaves. What does he expect us to do? Use our gifts, use our talents to bring honor and glory to him. So are we doing that? Well, I, I think I can do a better job. I need to. I need to pay more attention to him, and, and I need to walk closer to the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit and so that people can see Jesus in me. Let us be identified as followers of Jesus. That's what he's showing us tonight. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Pray your blessings upon it. Pray you take us home safely tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.